the Sonic Cinema Production Podcast. Welcome back to Sonic Cinema Production Podcast. I'm Jack Ward. We're at the end of the summer for another year, and in 2023, it's been pretty crazy here in Halifax with floods and wildfires. You know, most of us are waiting for frogs to fall from the heavens, but luckily that hasn't quite happened yet. And to finish our summer tour of shows I've recreated from previous summer stocks, we have an episode of Our Miss Brooks and another five-minute mystery. Our show stars Anne Stockdale, Guy Earl, Jim Lindsay, and Susie Short. So relax, turn on the old-time radio, and let's begin, shall we? The following audio drama is rated G for general audience. The Mutual Audio Network, in association with Sonic Summerstock Playhouse and Electric Vicuna Productions, comes together to bring you the finale of the 10th Playhouse season with tonight's feature, a recreation of the classic Our Miss Brooks, transcribed and starring Suzanne Short. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks under the original direction of Al Lewis. Well, like most school teachers, Our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School, has been exposed to her share of puppy love. I'll say I have. It's getting so I can't look a puppy in the face without flinching. But the kids at school are nothing compared to the case I've discovered at home between my landlady, Mrs. Davis, and Horace Barlow, the school's new gen... Basement custodian. Although she met him a week ago at a school tea, up until Thursday morning at breakfast, she kept denying anything but a passing interest in him. Please, Connie, just because Horace Barlow has been over a few times is no reason for people to jump to conclusions. My goodness, Horace isn't jumping to conclusions. At his age, Horace is lucky if he can limp to conclusions. But I've seen you two together, Mrs. Davis. As far as I'm concerned, I think of Horace as just a real nice boy. And he is, too. A real nice 68-year-old boy. He happens to be 54, Connie. He told me so himself. I know, Mrs. Davis. And Jack Benny is 39. Not that I'm criticizing your friendship. Far from it. I'm delighted that Horace is so genuinely fond of you. Oh, Connie. Horace doesn't even know I'm alive. Well, don't let that worry you. It's hard to tell about him most of the time. Anyway, I'm simply not interested in anything but the most casual relationship. Heavens, if if I were thinking seriously, I'd try to find something about the man, wouldn't I? Haven't you? Definitely not. Well, I'm not even mildly curious. I haven't the slightest idea where he keeps his $10,000 life insurance policy. And I've no knowledge whatsoever of how he got his leg wounded in the Mexican War, for which he gets $53 a month pension. And I don't even know what bank he keeps his $2,619 savings account. Shame on you. You haven't even got a social security number. 498265. Oh. That's Walter Denton. He's taking me to school. 
Be right there, Walter. Now, is there anything you want me to say to Mr. Barlow for you if I happen to see him in school? Not a thing, Connie. Okay. There's no necessity of even mentioning to him that I'm not busy tonight. I see. And there's no need for any remarks about the cake I'm baking today being too big for one person to finish alone. I'll be as silent as a tomb. And above all, it would be utterly shameless if he were to hear that I don't want to waste the box of cigars I bought yesterday. You can trust me implicitly, Mrs. Davis. I won't say a word to Mr. Barlow. I'll just hit him on the head and drag him home. I'm glad you picked me up early this morning, Walter. I've got an errand to do for Mrs. Davis before my first class. I'll get you there with the speed of a gazelle, Miss Brooks. Oh, by the way, how's Mrs. Davis's romance with Mr. Barlow coming along? Oh, have you noticed that too? I think it's the cutest thing in the world. Mrs. Davis actually has a bad case of puppy love. It is cute, considering she's in her second puppyhood. No, no disrespect intended, you understand? After all, what can be more romantic than two lonely old people encountering the grand passion in their sear and yellow leaf of life? Why, that's absolutely poetic, Walter. The burning desire of youth long past, they look now for the subdued glow of companionship, the warm and simple pleasures that two elderly people in love can share together. I can see them now, soaking their feet in the same pan of Epsom salts. I'll bet you'd like to find romance at that age, Miss Brooks. At the rate I'm going now, I'm counting on it. But Walter, I just assume you didn't mention the subject at school. It might be a source of embarrassment to Mr. Barlow. My trap is sealed, Miss Brooks. Now what's the errand you're going to do for Mrs. Davis this morning? Well, off the record, I'm going to invite Mr. Barlow over to the house tonight. He's been a little backward about asking for a date. Oh, I get it. You're Mrs. Davis's Cupid. Now all you gotta do is go get Mr. Barlow to invite Mr. Boyden over, and you're all set! Meeting's adjourned. Hi, Miss Brooks. You're pretty early today, aren't you? Hello, Harriet. I've got to deliver a message to the custodian. Have you seen him? Oh, yes. Mr. Barlow just went into his office. Isn't it wonderful, Miss Brooks? Well, I don't know. I've never been in his office. I mean, about Mr. Barlow and Mrs. Davis. They're crazy about each other. Of course, it's a big secret. It couldn't be a bigger secret if they took out an ad. Is there anything more romantic than the mellow romance of old age? Now, please, Harriet. Just think of two people finding love at a time of life when others are preparing to pass on. Two people walking hand in hand in the twilight of life. Yes, there's nothing like a brisk walk before passing on. Well, I won't keep you any longer. Far be it from me to delay Mrs. Davis's emissary of love. Good luck in your mission, Cupid. Thank you, Aphrodite. Come in. I hope I'm not disturbing you, Mr. Barlow, but there's something I wanted to ask you. Well, then, go ahead and ask. You want to get apples, you gotta shake the tree. Well, what is it? It's just this. 
I was wondering if tonight, well, that is, if you haven't any other plans, Mrs. Davis isn't doing anything, and I'm sure she'd be pleased if you wanted to drop over. Well, that's right neighborly. Would you like me to drop over? Of course. I'm sure you and Mrs. Davis will have a lovely evening together. Are you planning on staying in, Miss Brooks? I suppose so, Mr. Barlow. But I'm sure that at your age, you don't need any chaperone. You're right about that. Maybe we could send Mrs. Davis to a movie. Send Mrs. Davis to a movie? Oh, sure. Oh, there's no sense in me trying to hide it any longer. What? The only reason I've been coming around Mrs. Davis' place is to be near you. Near me? But you've been making dates with Mrs. Davis. Well, naturally, you've got to slip the drones a little honey if you want to get next to the queen bee. You and Mr. Barlow are barking up the wrong hive. This is ridiculous. I simply can't believe it's even happening. I couldn't believe it myself. I just couldn't understand the feeling that swept over me when I first saw you, Miss Brooks. In fact, since that time, I've had my glasses changed twice, but it's still the same. Keep asking myself, where have you been all my life? For three quarters of it, I wasn't even born. Look, Mr. Barlow, there's a great difference in our ages. Oh, nonsense, Miss Brooks. I just don't believe in age. Well, neither do I. I've been standing it off for years. Uh, But I mean, if you think this over for a while you'll realize that it just couldn't work out. Why not? Is there someone else playing the piano in your front parlor? No. But Mr. Boynton plays the ukulele on my back porch. (laughs) We've been going together for quite a while now. You mean that biology fella? Oh, shucks, he's just an unsophisticated kid. Why, you couldn't warm him up if you stuck a Bunsen burner under him. You've been picking... Well, that is, um, Mr. Boynton's just shy about expressing his feelings. A feeling? He ain't got no feelings, if you ask me. Leastwise, not like I have. Especially since I met you. Why, I just knew today was going to bring some excitement into my life. I just got the strangest sensation right after breakfast. Maybe something fell into your gruel. No, there's no two ways about it, sis. I'm smitten. Well, would this unsmit you if I told you... I'm engaged to Mr. Boynton. Engaged? But he wasn't even over to your place the night I visited Mrs. Davis. He must have been working. If you come over tonight, I'm sure he'll be there. Well, seeing is believing. I'll drop by, Miss Brooks, but I still say when it comes to your bringing me messages from Miss Davis, speak for yourself, oh Cupid. There's no use talking. These man-tailored suits have got to go. We'll be back to our Miss Brooks in a moment. Friends, have you found yourself down in the mouth lately? Can't get a date? Find it difficult even to talk to someone. Try the Mutual Audio Network. If you subscribe to any of our fine feeds, and we have eight varieties, you could listen to audio drama every day of the week. What then, you ask? Why, you have a smile from ear to ear and so much to talk about. Every day you have an interesting story to share with someone you love or a tale to tell to a stranger. Yes, siree. Only the Mutual Audio Network guarantees to have new stories each and every day. The Mutual Audio Network. Accept no substitutes. 
And now, back to our Miss Brooks and tonight's episode, Puppy Love, Mr. Barlow and Miss Davis. Well, I was quite chagrined to find out that Horace Barlow was more interested in me than he was in Mrs. Davis. This is one triangle I was determined not to be eternal, not even overnight. Therefore, at lunchtime, I headed to Mr. Boynton's table in the cafeteria. But just as I got halfway to it... Oh, Mr. Conklin, I'm terribly sorry, sir. You're slipping, Miss Brooks. You only knocked two dishes off my tray today. I guess I didn't watch where I was going. Obviously. When you do, you get the whole tray. Well, luckily nothing's happened to your apple pie. Well, the plate is broken, but the pie is intact. Here. Thank you. Even more luckily, nothing seems to have gotten on my clothes. No, sir. I've never seen you look so neat. White carnation and all. I spoke too soon. That's vanilla ice cream. This never would have happened, sir. But I'm terribly preoccupied today. This must be preoccupied day at Madison High. I've had nothing but trouble with our new school custodian for the same reason. You mean Mr. Barlow? Yes. He forgets about the furnace. He forgets to fix the pipes. The old goat acts as if he was in love. Maybe he is in love. But who could a 70-year-old codger be in love with? He happens to be 54. Yes. And Jack Benny is 39. Horace Barlow in love. (laughs) At his age, he probably can't tell the difference between a woman and a kangaroo. (laughs) Probably not. Well, if you'll excuse me, I'll be hopping off to lunch. (laughs) No doubt I'll run into you later in the day, Mr. Conklin. It is with that thought in mind that I carry every possible form of accident and hospitalization insurance. Good day, Miss Brooks. Good day, Mr. Conklin. He's got a lot of nerve. Just because a person's lived a few more years than some other person? Uh, I I don't like to interrupt, Miss Brooks, but if you keep talking to yourself, you'll make an eavesdropper out of me. I'm sorry, Walter. I've had a little shock this morning. You see, I spoke to Horace Barlow a short time ago about making a date with Mrs. Davis. What did he say? He said he's not interested in Mrs. Davis. He's smitten with somebody else. Somebody else?! But he can't do that to Mrs. Davis. She's a very sensitive little lady and she's nuts about him. She'll be terribly hurt. That's what I'm afraid of. He doesn't know when he's well off. I'd like to see the hunk of crow bait he's falling for. Now, just a minute, Walter. It so happens that Mr. Barlow thinks he's in love with me. With you? But that's illegal. That's, it's unthinkable. It's Let's un- just call it unusual. Actually, Walter, I'm extremely worried about the situation. Mrs. Davis and I have been friends for too long to let a thing like this come between us. Well, why don't you just tell Barlow to go peddle his papers? Well, I did. Practically. I even told him I was engaged to Mr. Boynton. That's what I'm worried about. They're both coming over tonight, and I've got to prove it. Oh, what's so tough about that? I'm sure Mr. Boynton will cooperate. You are? Sure. For one night. Oh. Now the next thing you gotta do is get Mrs. Davis out of the house tonight. Because if she caught you and Mr. Boynton acting as if you were engaged, she'd know something was rotten in Denmark. That's a sweet way to put it. But Walter, how do I get Mrs. Davis out of the house? Well, easy. There's an old bachelor friend staying at my house for a couple of days. A Mr. Gordon. I'm sure he'd love a date with a nice clean-cut character like 
Mrs. Davis, and I'll ask her to go out with him as a favor to my folks. What about Mr. Barlow? She expects him tonight. Well, just tell her he couldn't make it. Say his blood pressure hit a new high or something. Now you go call Mr. Boynton, and I'll call home, and, and I'll make sure Mr. Gordon's available to act as Davis bait for the evening. All right, Walter. And thanks. See you later, Miss Brooks. Mr. Boynton, I've got to talk to you right away. Oh, what's wrong, Miss Brooks? It's about Mrs. Davis. You know she's got a crush on the school custodian, Mr. Barlow. But unfortunately, he's head over heels in love with somebody else. <laughs> Please, Miss Brooks, don't make me laugh while I'm drinking coffee. Mr. Barlow's an old man. What kind of a shriveled-up prune could he fall for? Why does it have to be a prune? For all you know, Mr. Barlow could be crazy about a nice, young, firm, fuzzy peach. Besides, he's only 48. Why, he's 70 at least. And not what you'd call in prime condition. Why, his hyperthyroidism is apparent. And his incipient arteriosclerosis masking cardiac decompensation was evident to me after one glance. It's a good thing you didn't take a second glance. He'd be a goner. The truth is, Mr. Boynton that Mr. Barlow has been coming to our place just to be near me. <laughs> if I'd known you were going to get so excited, I'd have worn my raincoat. Here, use this napkin. Oh, I'm sorry, Miss Brooks, but <laughs> I couldn't help exploding. You mean to tell me Mr. Barlow is in love with you? That's right. We hyperthyroids have to stick together. Look, Mr. Boynton, I know it's an absurd situation, but my only real concern is Mrs. Davis. I've got to discourage Mr. Barlow once and for all, and you've got to help me. Me? What can I do? Well, he's coming over to our place tonight. I invited him on behalf of Mrs. Davis. That's when he told me how he felt about me, and that's when I told him something utterly fantastic. What did you tell him? Uh, that you and I were engaged to be married. Here's the napkin. <laughs> Engaged to be married? But, Miss Brooks, that's utterly fantastic. Well, I'm glad I said it first. Don't you see, Mr. Boynton? This is very important to someone who's very important to me. Mrs. Davis is just about the best friend I've got. Well, that's the case, Miss Brooks. I guess the least I can do is cooperate. Will you really, Mr. Boynton? Sure. For one night. Oh. Full. That was a very fine dinner, Miss Brooks. Well, I'm glad you liked it, Mr. Boynton. I opened it all by myself. I hope Mr. Gordon took Mrs. Davis to a nice place for dinner. He appears to be a jolly old fellow, doesn't he? Yes, indeed. And I noticed he gave you a pretty thorough once-over when you were introduced. You seem to pack quite a wallop for these elderly Joes. That's me, the Cleopatra of the cardiac cases. <laughs> But I've got to clear away these dishes. Mr. Barlow will be here any minute. Well, if that's the case, shouldn't we be getting into the mood? The mood? Well, yes, we're supposed to be engaged, aren't we? Oh, that mood. 
Why, Mr. Boynton, I can hardly believe my ears. Why? There's no sense making a chore out of this thing. We might as well have some fun doing it. Fun doing it? Why, certainly. Now, let's get started. Get started? Well, the quicker the better. The quicker the better? Of course. Come on. Come on? I mean, come on! Well, sure. You wash, and I'll dry. So much for the hopes of Connie Brooks, girl dreamer. Look, Mr. Boynton, working in the kitchen is the way married people would get into the mood. Engaged couples do their work in the parlor with soft lights. Okay. We'll take a big basin of water and do the dishes in the parlor. Sometimes I wish you were ugly. Come on, Mr. Boynton. I'll attend to the dishes later. Let's sit down in the living room. All right, Miss Brooks. It isn't too healthy to commence working too soon after a meal anyway. That must be Mr. Barlow. Just make yourself comfortable. I'll let him in. Well, here I am, Brooksy. I'm fit as a fiddle and twice as musical. Come in, Mr. Barlow. I fixed a little dinner this evening for my fiancé. Your fiancé? We just finished eating it. Follow me, won't you? Then you mean you actually... Hello, darling. Did you miss me? Miss you? I hated to leave you alone for so many seconds, but I just had to let Mr. Barlow in. You remember Mr. Barlow, don't you, dear? Oh, of course. How are you, Mr. Barlow? Snappy as a cookie and twice as full of ginger. Hey, but let's get to the point. Miss Brooks here told me that you two were engaged. Is that true? Well, yes. Yes, it is. Well, then how come nobody around the school's heard anything about it? Because we wanted it that way. We've been secretly engaged for over six months now. Haven't we, darling? We certainly have. Miss Brooks. (laughs) Miss Brooks? Why does he call you Miss Brooks if you're going to be married? Well, uh, he doesn't like any display of affection in front of company. (laughs) Uh, Let's sit down, shall we? Mr. Barlow, drop a chair, won't you? And, oh, sweetheart, you can drop a chair and we'll all sit down. Uh, we? But, Miss Brooks, I worked out with the basketball team yesterday and my knees are a little weak. Well, it might be a foul, but I'll never get a shot like this again. Sit down, dear. There we are. Comfy? Uh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Seems mighty strange to me. Most engaged folks I've seen act a little more demonstrative than you do. Oh, but we're mad for each other. Well, aren't we, darling? Yeah. Mad. Oh, you know, dearie, you haven't kissed me in five minutes. What? I said you haven't kissed me in five minutes. What are we going to do about that? Let's wait another five, huh? Oh, what's the matter, darling? You want to kiss me, don't you? Oh, maybe it's me, Miss Brooks. No, I'm positive he doesn't want to kiss you. (laughs) Oh, you mean he doesn't want to kiss me in your presence. I'm sure that wouldn't stop my great, big, handsome lover boy. Would it, dearest? Well, certainly not. Give me your cheek. There. Wow. Now, how about one to get me down off the ceiling? Uh, maybe I ought to go. But why, Mr. Barlow? You just got here. I know, but I... But won't I be interrupting something? Only if you go. Uh, I mean, stick around a little while longer. I'll see who it is. Don't move, either of you. Sorry to disturb you, Connie, but I forgot my key again. Mrs. Davis! 
What are you doing home so early? Here, let me help you off with your coat and eyeglasses. Mr. Gordon showed me the most wonderful time, Connie. But he has a business appointment first thing in the morning, so we had to cut our date a bit short. And uh, who's that in the living room? That's Mr. Boynton. Oh, I see. And uh, who's the man in the other chair? That's Mr. Boynton, too. He's awfully restless tonight. Oh, now I see who that is. It's Mr. Barlow. You told me he wasn't coming over tonight. He must have changed his mind. But listen, Mrs. Davis. When two people have a beautiful friendship, they've got to do everything in their power to keep it from breaking up, right? Uh, let's talk later, dear. I've got to get these shoes off at once. Mr. Gordon just danced my tootsies into a stupor. He's a wonderful man, Connie. Uh, that's why I want you to do me a little favor. A favor? Yes, when you go back into the living room. What do you want me to do, Mrs. Davis? Brush off that other old creep, will you? You mean Mr. Barlow? Yes, I haven't the heart to hurt his feelings. Well, it'll save a lot of explanations, I guess. But I know I'm going to hit two birds with one stone. What do you mean, Connie? As soon as the old duck is gone, my little lovebird will take off like a wounded pelican. Well, I told Mr. Barlow that Mrs. Davis had returned home with a bad headache, and he left the house after threatening to call her up very soon. Then, as I was about to barricade the door against Mr. Boynton's next move, he addressed me. Well, I'm sorry Mrs. Davis doesn't feel well, Miss Brooks. Is she lying down in her room? Yes, she is, Mr. Boynton. Well, that leaves just the two of us, doesn't it? Yes, but don't be nervous. It's much too early for you to think of leaving. Oh, I'm not thinking of leaving, Miss Brooks. You and I still have plenty of unfinished business to attend to. Unfinished business? Well, certainly. You and I. That's right. After all, somebody's got to do those dinner dishes. Why don't you wash and I'll dry? Better still, you wash and dry. I've got another engagement. Another engagement? Sure! If I hurry, I can catch Mr. Barlow before he gets on the bus. This is Jack Ward reminding you to stand by for more great features and to be back with us in the future for another Our Miss Brooks show brought to you by the Mutual Audio Network. If you love audio drama, the feeling's mutual. Our Miss Brooks starring Suzanne Short, Ann Stockdale, Jim Lindsay, Guy Earle, John Bell, and Jack Ward was written by Al Lewis and produced by Jack Ward. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. This has been a Sonic Cinema production. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Another five-minute mystery. An anniversary party is going on at the Brown household around the corner. 
One of the guests, George Taylor, pauses while eating his dessert, saying, Mmm, best lemon pie I've ever tasted, Mary. Oh, really? I wish my wife could do as well. Hey, it doesn't look as if Sam is appreciating it much, though. Goodness, dear. Is my cooking that bad? Sam, your head is practically in your plate. I guess he's fallen asleep, everyone. I'm so sorry. That's all right. Sam, Sam, sit up. Sam, it's dreadful. I'd better shake him. Sam! Sam! Great guns! He's dead! How do you do? I'm Sergeant Barker, the Homicide Division, and this is one of my boys, Mike Grady. Evening. Where's the body? In the dining room at the table. We didn't move him. Hmm. You might as well be comfortable, everybody. This will just take a little while. Hmm, dead, all right. Peaceful, too. Who's Mrs. Sam Brown? I am. You mind telling me what happened? I guess not. I'm so shocked. I don't know where to begin or what to tell you. Well, you might as well begin by telling me what you serve for dinner. Well, uh, we had soup first. Soup? What kind? Mushroom, and then roast chicken, green peas, mashed potatoes, and I served him coffee. But I don't see how this could mean anything. Just routine, Mrs. Brown. Did Mr. Brown eat everything? Yes, he did. He seemed to fall asleep over his coffee. Mm-hmm. And when I tried to wake him, I found he'd had a heart attack. That will be all for a few minutes, Mrs. Brown. We want to take a look around. Ah, notice anything about this table, Mike? Ah, Chief. Can't say as I do. Neither do I. Let's look in this kitchen. An orderly person, isn't she? Stacked dishes after each course. Aye, and here's the silverware over here. Ah, look. Look, Chief. One of the soup spoons has turned black. Black. Let me see it. The only spoon that's tarnished, too. Well, I was beginning to think it was a heart attack... Or a perfect murder. But the silver soup spoon is evidence enough. Hmm. Mrs. Brown! Yes, Sergeant Barker? I'm sorry to interrupt your little party, Mrs. Brown, but I'm sure your guests won't mind. I... I don't understand. You will, Mrs. Brown. You will. You see, you're under arrest for the murder of your husband. Do you know why Sergeant Barker accused Mrs. Brown of murder? In a moment, we'll hear the solution. But first, a word from our sponsor. Buongiorno. I am Flaudio. And I am very interested in what makes audio drama work. I want to share with you my recipe for a perfect evening. An evening for two lovers. Lovers of audio drama. When I plan an audio drama, I want to make sure that everything is perfect for us. The soundscape is the most important thing to set the mood for the night. When I lay in a special ambiance or sound effect, 
it is very important because it can express what I feel so perfectly. A sound effect can speak for the story when words just cannot capture the love I feel. Love I feel for you. When it is dark, I turn on the sound effects. I turn up the soundscape. And the voices can then dance in a perfect state of bliss where there is no world except the one we make with our love. No time except what is needed for our story to play out. A story that we will make come true. This audio drama public service announcement was brought to you by The Amigos. And now, back to our story. Sergeant Barker, how do you know it was a homicide? Well, Mrs. Brown took careful pains to wash the soup pans and soup dishes before she served the rest of the meal. Yes, I can see that. But she forgot one thing, to wash the silver soup spoons. What she didn't realize was that an hour later, by the end of dinner, the spoon her husband had used to eat his toadstool soup would give her away. She didn't know that toadstools make silver turn black. Mrs. Brown almost committed the perfect murder, but she forgot to wash one spoon. Five Minute Mysteries, Death Calls at Dinner was performed this evening by Suzanne Short and Stockdale Guy Earl and was produced by Jack Ward. Thank you for your attention and please return next time for another Five Minute Mystery. This is a Sonic Cinema production.